0: It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.
1: In the wickets. Yeah.
0: We're well Josh Hazel!
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast brought to you by News Corp. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, and that was Josh Hazelwood knocking over KL Rahul in the second test. And Josh Hazelwood is our special guest on the podcast today. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks for coming on.
0: All right. Thanks, Andrew.
1: Now, you're one of the many co-vice captains in the Australian cricket team, so um, it's really good of you to to make (laughs) some time for the podcast. And and also, last time you were on the show, it was a really good episode, and I actually submitted that episode with another one to the Australian Podcast Awards, and uh, the podcast made it through to the finals of the Podcast Awards. So not only only you are a star bowler, but (laughs) you can also... Pull out a pretty good podcast. <laughs>
0: oh, it's good to hear. It's good to hear. Made the made the finals. So, um, yeah, yeah, hopefully ho- we win. Hopefully we win.
1: And uh, it was, I just think that last interview, you were really open and really forthcoming with um, your thoughts on the game. So I think it was really appreciated. And obviously the judges uh, thought so too. So thank you. No worries. Uh, our listeners in this podcast with Josh, I want to talk about the summer. I want to talk about the upcoming World Cup and the Ashes. Uh, but I sort of want to start, Josh, with a little bit of a deep dive into your experiences in the Australian cricket team. So, uh, you're 28 years old, as you well know, but the listeners might not. You played 44 Tests, have 164 wickets. You've also taken 72 One Day International wickets. I was at 25, going at a runs per over of under five. It's quite a re- it's a really good One Day record.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it as it stands at the moment. I haven't played a lot of One Day cricket in the last. Or last twelve months, probably, but um, yeah, as, as you said, the numbers are, are pretty good there, and you know, hopefully, if given another opportunity, you know, down the track, um, you know, we'll get that get that down a bit. But I, I love playing ODI cricket. It's a it's a great challenge, and especially these big tournaments. Obviously, the World Cup, Champions Trophy, things like that. So the tournament based um, competitions are, are awesome to be a part of.
1: And, and do you look at your stats much?
0: Uh, no, not really. I, I just think you know you always. It more of a feel factor, I think, for me, of, of how the ball's coming out and and how consistently I'm, I'm landing it where I want. So it's it's more based on feel and, and, and form, I guess.
1: So when I was looking at your stats, 78 first-class matches, 44 of those have been at test match level. So you've done a lot of your learning and got a lot of your experience at the highest level. Now I know you were very young when you first played a one day international for Australia, I think way back in 2010 and uh, 4 years later you made your test debut, but what I'm interested in is how You've been able to adapt to the top level you know a lot of players come in with a lot of first class experience behind them but you you didn't so how were you able to adapt to the top level and did you have any sort of players or coaches that really helped you at the highest level?
0: I think as far as players and coaches go just as you as you go through the through the ranks there's there's guys you learn from and you take a bit from everyone I guess along the way and, and see what works for you and and try it. Some things don't work. Uh, it's not for everyone. But I guess learning at the top level, you, you have to learn pretty quickly or you, or you don't make it. So um, I was always very determined to, to make it at the highest level and I guess that forces you to learn and always improve your game. There's a lot of footage, I guess, out there now and everyone knows what everyone does around the world, in, in test cricket especially, and the batters know how you're trying to get him out. Um, so sometimes you have to think you know, of something different and always be changing your, your style, I guess, and, and working out, you know, keep changing, keep improving, keep learning all the time.
1: And when you sort of got to the highest level, though, and, you know, obviously a big step up from the cricket you played before, what, what were some of the hard lessons that you sort of had to learn, whether it's off-field stuff or just, you know, the way you carry yourself as a professional cricketer? What are the, some of the things that really you had to learn?
0: Oh, I think just... That when you Once you become a professional cricketer, it's you have to be at the top of your game day in, day out. It's not just about having one good day or, or one good spell. Test cricket, you have to be as close to 100% as possible all the time, um, bowling your best spell, best balls all the time, and it's just relentless. Um, and, and when you do bowl a poor spell, you get found out. We you know whether you relieve that pressure that's been building or, or leak runs. For the team, so I think it's just the consistency that you have to be at the top of your game the whole time, every ball, every game. So that's that's probably the toughest bit. And what
1: about sort of in the dressing room and and the camaraderie of the Australian team? You know, what are, what are the, some of the things that goes into making that work?
0: Yeah, I think obviously we're you know we're not just a, a summer sport where we around the world all year, um, living in each other's pockets all the time. So. As much as it's hanging out with each other, we we know each other very well. We're always together, as 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 everyone knows. And 365 days a year can can get a bit much. So I think it's about getting away from cricket as much as anything as well, and and spending some time whether it's by yourself or or with family on tour, if that's a if that's a possibility. So getting away from the game and having other interests, I guess outside cricket, it's hard on tour when you're overseas, but just getting away from it, and I guess you know that relieves your pressure. Then you actually want to be together and hang out um, as a group when the time comes so um, yeah it's a, it's a tough balance to get right and we've obviously got four months um, in England coming up so that's going to be put to the test on, on occasions I guess it's like
1: the challenge of any profession of being able to switch off. And elite level sport, that must be more challenging than a lot of other professions, just sort of switching off, you know, the thoughts and the, the planning and even sort of game mode and the adrenaline.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Everyone sees the the physical side and we obviously do physical rest and recovery and all those things, but it's probably the mental side that, that gets draining on a, on a long tour like that. Um, and 12 months of continuous cricket, you're just day in, day out. The same things. going to training, um, doing recoveries, going to the game. So mental is a huge part in in our profession and if we can stay on top of that and as you said get away from the game and and just relax and switch off when you can it's quite a skill to be able to do and I guess some guys are better at it than others some are naturally pretty good someone like me I can switch off pretty easily so um, other guys um, find it difficult so it's just getting that balance right you seem pretty um, laconic and relaxed, but
1: are you still able to have fun as the Aussie team? You know, I know you're in the spotlight and there's pressure and, you know, with that, you know, you, you expected to get results. But are you still able to sort of have fun and enjoy it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's times when you have to be really disciplined and really serious. Obviously, we're, we're playing at the, top, at the top level, but um, there's times when you can have, have fun and, and let your hair down a bit. And I guess it's having that fun with each other's company you know, within the cricket team, and not just the team, but the support staff as well, who we travel with, you know, day in doubt out as well. Um, there's, there's usually about 10 or 12 of those guys. So um, they're good to get around and get your mind off cricket as well. So, um, But that's hugely important. And I think I've, we've seen that in the last couple of tours with the ODI team they've been able to, to enjoy their cricket and, and enjoy each other's company off the field as well which is hugely important
1: yes Stoinus and Zampa are enjoying <laughs> each other
0: very intimately as we've
1: seen on uh, TV a few times Yeah, bit of a uh, worry?
0: Yeah, a bit of a worry. We'll leave that up to them.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's have a look back on the summer against India. And and we were talking about stats. I was looking at your bowling average against South Africa and then against India, and it seemed like it was a real challenge for the bowling group. Bowling in South Africa to some really class batsmen like A.B. de Villiers and... Ashimamla, and then then obviously the the star Indian batting lineup. How hard was it, sort of up against them?
0: Yeah, it's obviously two quality batting lineups. Um, you know, Indian team especially probably someone like a Pujara really, really broke us nearly. He, he bore us into the ground and um, made us really tight. And then I guess the lower order cashed in on those at those times when we were feeling the fatigued. So yeah, I guess we. We're a bit behind in some of those games as well, um, South Africa and, and here in Australia against India. So um, it, it is that's probably the toughest time when you're bowling, say, in the second innings when, when they're ahead, um, whether they're setting a target or we're trying to keep it tight but still take wickets and be aggressive. So that's, you know, compare that to the Ashes of the year before when we're probably on top in, in most games. I guess you're a lot more relaxed and you can really attack and try and take wickets and runs isn't an issue because we've already got so many on the board. So that's the toughest time to probably bowling test cricket in the second innings when you are chasing the game so we we learned from that a fair bit in the last two series and hopefully improve in that area.
1: And what do you do when you can see a, a game slipping away you know the leads creeping up and you want to obviously get the batsman out but you, you know how do you cope with that like as a player to just to keep in the moment how do you what do you say to yourself?
0: Oh, I guess you go back to your to your routine and and what you've you know, you've always worked on um, a couple of key things for me and I'll be always trying to keep it tight first of all and build pressure and, and try and swing that momentum in our favour. Um, but when, as you said, they're building a big lead, there's there's really no pressure on them and it's all on us. So that is the toughest time, but you just got to go back to keeping it very simple and it's you versus the batsman and, and try and take the scoreboard out of it on, on some occasions. You spoke
1: about Pujara. I'm gathering you were pretty sick of uh, him by the end of the summer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
1: There was some talk about the bowling lines throughout the summer of the Australian attack that it was a bit too wide of the off stump and there wasn't enough balls hitting the stumps. Was that a conscious effort from the attack to try and starve the Indian batsmen of, you know, balls... Drifting onto the stumps?
0: Uh, I think at at certain times, yeah, definitely. The the plans changed throughout the series um, a lot of the time and they definitely changed through this period as well. Pujara, we didn't really change much. Um, we, We tried to bowl the top of off and middle stump to be honest and, and trying to get him to Coley was was a bit different we went wide early in the series and then i guess tried to bore him a little bit and uh, and try to get him to chase a wide one because he loves to score all the time and if you bowl straight to him it's just it's carnage really so um but saying that the last two tests we went straight and had a bit of success even though they were unusual dismissals you know i think you just got to try and take one side of the field out to him and make him hit it through seven or eight fielders on one side whether that's off or leg so we played around with that um Pajara didn't really change at all we, we tried to get him lb and bold the wickets probably only perth had enough pace into to nick him off i thought and the rest of the wickets were were pretty slow um, which suits his game and yeah, he, he doesn't play many shots and he, he doesn't miss many balls, so uh, it's tough to get him out. It'd
1: be nice if we could get a bit of pace back into the Aussie wickets, wouldn't
0: it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Adelaide's always a great wicket. That created, creates a great test match every year and the new Perth Stadium was was pretty cool to bowl on. Um, not so much fun for the batters, but it's good to have something like that with a lot of pace. Would have been nice to play them in, in Brisbane, um, where we usually start the summers, but... Fortunately, that wasn't the case. And, yeah, the other two wickets, I guess, Melbourne and Sydney, have have been quite slow of late, which suits, you know, subcontinent teams. Yeah,
1: and sort of looking back on the summer, on on your bowling, were you happy with the way it came out? Obviously, you missed the series against Sri Lanka with an injury, but were we happy with your form?
0: At times, yeah. As I said, we were bowling a lot. Chasing the game in the last two tests, but the first two tests I thought I bowled reasonably well. Did my did my role, I guess, built pressure, um, kept it tight, got wickets. So I was reasonably happy. I think I just probably drifted off. They they wore us into the ground a bit the last two tests, and we we're probably starting to feel the fatigue in, in Sydney, especially. And yeah, we just couldn't get those breakthroughs. But yeah, we'll learn from that and 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 keep moving forward. And I guess it's a fine line with the we're
1: talking about the bowling lines, and you know if if you. If you're patient and keep it outside off stump, you can you can starve a batsman and hopefully nick him off. But, you know, you can say, oh, it's a bit negative or it's, it's not attacking the stumps, you're taking out bold and LBWs. But then if you go ultra-aggressive and try and, you know, knock everybody over, uh, you know, you're going to leak runs, you're going too far the other way. So it really is delicate balance, isn't it?
0: It is, yeah. And I, I think it was just probably those two batters that we've mentioned that, that probably hurt us to be honest we we created doubts with our openers we made made them make changes to their team uh,
1: and will be happy to, yeah to face it really VJ
0: was I um, mean had his number a little bit so we we certainly took early wickets which was which we're always trying to do um, It was probably just that three and four batter that, that hurt us pant to a degree towards the end of the series started creating a bit of havoc but all in all it was probably just a couple of batters which should, which is usually the case.
1: So what about this series loss against India? You know, you must, the team must have been really confident when you leveled the series in Perth, one or you're thinking, all right, we can do this. How disappointing was it then to then lose the series?
0: Yeah, I mean, when we were, we were one all, we probably, there's a few things looking back at Adelaide as well that we probably could have done better and, and been 2-0 up after at Perth, which was, which is hugely different. So... Um, but to go one all in Perth everyone was up and about and feeling pretty confident we hadn't had a test win in in quite a while but yeah but then we went to Melbourne and I thought we fought hard on the first day it was I think two for 200 which is a really slow day of test cricket but I think that first innings of our of our batting really hurt us we only got 130 or 40 so that really puts us behind the eight ball and then um, yeah India just dominated us from there really.
1: You know, there was a lot of inexperienced players coming into the Aussie team. I mean, it must have been a great experience for them to sort of face a, a team like India and have that experience. Do you think the young players would have learnt a lot?
0: Yeah, definitely. I, you know, we had probably the first time that the whole top six or seven is, is inexperienced. I mean, I think Usman and Sean Marsh were probably the most experienced. And, and even then, they were sort of... You know, not fighting for their spots, but you know, under a bit of pressure themselves to be those leading leading batsmen. So, there wasn't too many people to learn off, I guess, for the young guys. Um, yeah, the coaches are great, but they're not out there in the middle with you when you when you're trying to perform. So, yeah, uh, it's, it was a quite an unusual circumstance, I guess, for our batting lineup.
1: Do you think it was hard for you know Usman and Sean to all of a sudden be expected to be the stars in the lineup?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're always used to having, I guess, Steve and, and Dave there to, to score the bulk of the runs and, and they can chip in here and there and, and score the odd hundred. And But when all the pressure's on you, you have to score runs. I guess it's a totally different story and they probably felt that pressure.
1: They did, certainly. Uh, so Australia, you know, is playing against the number one ranked world team. Australia's, I think, ranked fourth in tests at the moment. So you've got uh, New Zealand ahead of Australia. Unbelievable. <laughs> South Africa just ahead and then India on top. What's um, so it's yeah, India, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia. How far do you think the Aussie team is from being able to beat India now? I mean, there's not much between the top four sides from the outside.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it's too much to be honest. Um, I guess if you look at our ODI cricket, we seem to be a long way off winning any sort of series. And then we've gone and beat India in India, and we've whitewashed Pakistan. So you never you're never too far off in, in international cricket, I don't think. And you know, you can, one week you can lose by 150 runs and next week you win by 150 and you haven't played that much better or you haven't changed too many things. So it's just about doing those little things all the time, um, doing the basics, as we say, but you have to do them every week, every game to, to be that number one team as India are. And I don't think we're too far off and we'll play New Zealand next summer here in Australia, which will be great, great competition and looking to creep back up those those standings.
1: Yeah, hopefully uh, New Zealand will get to play on the big rounds. We might see them on the SCG and the MCG. The, the last MCG test I remember with New Zealand was at the MCG with, uh, I think, was it Whitney and someone trying to bat out mm. the last over. So it could be good for them to be on the big stage.
0: Absolutely. They, um, you know, I think the crowds will be pretty good, to be honest, with New Zealand ranked where they are. But um, loads of Kiwis here. That's right, that's right. So playing at the big grounds will be, will be awesome for them. They don't often get to do it, as you said, and play a Boxing Day test is, is pretty special. All
1: right, so, you know, it was your first uh, stint as vice-captain in the Australian team over summer. What did you do differently now that you had the official title?
0: Um, I, I didn't do much differently, to be honest. I always, I guess, saw myself as a bit of a leader around the bowling group. We're probably all, all leaders in our, own, in our own regard. But I, I just thought... I wasn't going to try and overstep my boundaries. Um, if Tim came to me and, and asked, or I saw something when we're playing, or, or in meetings, maybe speak up a little bit more, but not too much um, extra, to be honest. I leave most of that to Tim. And as I said, if he wanted to to know something or know my thoughts, I'd I'd give them to him. But tried to stay out of his way as much as I could. <laughs> and,
1: and did Tim come to you for advice a lot, or was it you know was it was a sort of a you know real leadership group or? What was this structure?
0: Um, yeah, he came to me a, a fair bit, I guess, throughout the throughout the series. Um, it was his first series at home as a captain, and oh, yeah, he, he'd only done it for a little bit before that, so he was quite new at it as well, and um, yeah, just getting those relationships together, I guess, um, worked pretty well, I thought. He's nice and relaxed out in the field, which is great, it suits me, and I guess we've got a couple of really senior players there, and Nathan Lyon, and, and even Usman and Sean, and and yeah, Mitch Starks play a lot of cricket now, so there, there was quite a few Test matches out there in the middle, and Payney sort of you know fed off everyone a little bit.
1: And did you sort of um, you know in the dressing room just keep an eye on the, the other players? I know one of the roles the vice captain often does is just you know if they see a player a bit down, you know, go and you know, give them a pat on the back and try and pump them up a bit.
0: Yeah, I guess you take a little bit extra onus on yourself to, to help out around probably more off the field to be honest as you as you just mentioned um around the dressing sheds around the hotel when you when you see someone just make that extra effort to to talk to them and see how they're going and, and try and help them out if you can so yeah i think i might have done that subconsciously um throughout the tour yeah and did you enjoy the
1: challenge of being a co-vice captain
0: yeah i, I definitely enjoyed it um you know i've always been a, a leader i guess in, in teams growing up and Now at the top level, you know, I've played a fair bit of cricket now for Australia in in test matches and, um, yeah, enjoyed the challenge this summer of, of doing it and hopefully I can do it down the track.
1: And there was sort of an extra level of scrutiny on the team this summer. How was that sort of from the inside
0: Oh, I think there's always scrutiny when you're playing a home series in Australia. I guess it was probably a little bit more in the media this year, or, or it seemed to be more people watching. I uh, Don't know whether that was two broadcasters or not, but well, two broadcasters,
1: <laughs> three radio stations, yeah. and then you know the cultural review before summer really put into focus the way the team was playing. So, did you guys feel that sort of glare throughout the summer?
0: Yeah, I guess I guess it was probably at that extra level than than usual. Again, it was against the top team in the in the world. As another um, extra thing on top, I guess so. Uh, there was, there's certainly always that glare, but yeah, you could say it was an extra intensity this year, and I think we dealt with it pretty well. Um, I think Tim did a great job, um, especially leading on the field. But you know, just his comments, you know, in and around media were were, were spot on, and I think we really enjoyed, even though we lost the series, we we got some of that respect back, I think, in the way we went about our cricket, and hopefully it sticks that way moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think you did, and. You know, we spoke about your podcast appearance, but I noticed there was a little bit more of a willingness from the Australian players to engage with the media more. And I know, obviously, there were demands being put on you, but I did notice that there was a shift in that sort of attitude this year that you were more willing to sort of give yourself to the media.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that's, that's how it is now moving forward. Maybe we're a bit stuck in the past of, you know, this is our, we're just playing cricket, we're not... You know, trying to promote it as well. We're just playing, whereas now we're, we're the Australian cricket team. We're Australia's cricket team, and you know we're trying to promote that as well and get out and I guess show a bit more to the public through the through the media about how we are off the field as well. And um, yeah, as you said, there was that more willingness from everyone to to be a part of it, and there was certainly a lot of media around the ground. So yeah, it was yeah, happy for everyone to were, share it. <laughs> yeah, press boxes were very full.
1: Yeah. Now, last time we spoke, you hadn't been under Justin Lang as coaching yet. So, did his stringent fitness regime live up to expectations?
0: Um, I certainly think there's uh, there's a bit more, I guess, push push on that. Yeah, there's there's obviously as a bowler you, you can't hide it all. You have to be as fit as you possibly can be to to do your role. Um, I guess a few of the batsmen have probably felt his felt that um, extra push on fitness in the last twelve months, and it's obviously I think paid off to a film as well. You know, they, they look really fit. They're really fast running between the wickets. Their fielding's going to a new level. So it, it only helps your cricket, which it, which um, everyone should be fit at this level anyway.
1: And what's JL like? Like, you're a mellow country boy from Tamworth. He's a, I think, funny, intense, caring coach, Langer, but he's also, you know, he gets into the Zen yoga stuff. <laughs> I mean, what? how do you two mesh?
0: Yeah, um, oh, there's a little bit of different, difference there, I guess. Um as there always is with with people in teams and coaching staffs and and, and whatnot, so I think it, everyone blends pretty well. To be honest, everyone's got cricket in general as a as a general rule that everyone loves cricket, and I guess that's a common common thing we can have we can share together. So whatever you do outside the game, with all the. You know, everyone's different, so there's some there's some weird characters in the team and in the coaching staff. So have uh, you taken
1: up meditation?
0: Uh, no, certainly not. I think you know whenever I'm pretty much meditating nonstop. I'm always <laughs> chilled, so. But yeah, I mean, it is worked pretty well, and we're starting to see the benefits now. I think you know, it was a tough initiation, a tough six to twelve months at the start, and now you know, it's starting to have an effect on the team. I think, and everyone's starting to learn how each, everyone works, and it seems to be going well.
1: Have you in particular just picked up? One thing from Justin Langer, like something, a bit of advice or something that he's given you to enhance your cricket?
0: Um, I think it's probably just his fighting nature. He probably wasn't the most talented guy batting that we've ever seen he wasn't a mark war ricky ponning or anyone but he he got the most out of himself and i guess everyone can relate to that they're not i'm someone's i'm certainly not the best athlete going around but i guess if you put that work that hard work in non-stop to get the best out of yourself then then that's probably something a, a number of players have taken from from jail
1: He's uh, a very passionate coach. I find it great to, to watch him speaking about the game. And you know, even when he has a go at the media, I think he's coming from the right place. He always seems like he's got the best intentions at heart.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's, as you said, very passionate. Very passionate coach. Probably a little bit more intense than what Wolf was. Um, so I was just getting used to that. But... He certainly loves cricket and wants the best for his for his players as well. He talked to guys at Western Australian Cricket, and yeah, he nearly, nearly treats him like a son. After a few years, he really wants the best for him, and he's really passionate, as you said. So Has he right. tried to set
1: you up with one of his daughters yet?
0: <laughs> no, not yet, not yet.
1: All right. In in a moment, we're going to talk about the World Cup and the Ashes, but before then, I want to try and tempt you to get onto social media. <laughs> now, in the last podcast, you said you weren't on any social media. Nothing. Do you, do you don't have a secret account? A lot of, you know, famous people, they say they're not, but they have a little, you know, burner account so they can uh, just keep an eye on things?
0: Nah, nothing. Nothing. Right,
1: so I'm going to show you now, listeners, I'm going to show Josh what he's missing out on from some <laughs> of his teammates on social media. And I'll post these photos when I release the podcast so you know. But let's start. So this is what you've got. You've got, that's Pat Cummins with his girlfriend, Becky Boston, in the desert. Yep. So yeah. So that's a lovely photo.
0: It is. It's nice. Um,
1: the, the next one, you can also see the WAGs. So the yeah, wives can't. and girlfriends are really prolific <laughs> on social media. Becky Boston, one of them. But here we've got Bonnie Park. Tim's um, wife yep. looking lovely, you know. So that's where it's nice and innocent. But then then we get to something like this, which is Marcus Stoynus taking a photo of Adam Zampa in the shower. Yeah. Now, Adam Zampa, you listeners, is covered in mud with his fingers in his mouth in the shower. Now what See, I'm not
0: this... I'm not missing anything there. <laughs> you not so trying, you want... You're not selling it to me at all. <laughs> okay, the
1: next one is your fast bowling. Partner Mitchell Stark yeah. always dog
0: photos, yeah, always.
1: Or always. photos of him at the Giants, the AFL team. Yeah, he loves the Giants. Is he paid to post them? I do think you think
0: he might
1: be? Maybe. So that's Starkey's dog, cute dog. So you could be seeing more of this. Now the next one, Marcus Harris has posted <laughs> this. This
0: is the. These
1: are all public posts, so I can't get in trouble for this. This is the Victorian cricket team dressed as Playboy bunnies, oh, no, obviously. Good celebrating their Shield victory. They
0: look better, actually, like that, I
1: think. Yeah. <laughs> James Pattinson looks scarier like this than he does when he's bowling, so go figure. And finally, we've got Glenn Maxwell at Disneyland with oh, the yeah. Hulk behind him, which is labelled as Marcus Stoinis. Yeah, right. Okay. So, you know, do those photos make you want to join Instagram or Twitter now?
0: Nah, see, I'm on I'm on WhatsApp, which is as close as I'm going to get, I think. But <laughs> that's not I'm social in a, media. I mean, a lot of a messaging. I mean, a lot of groups there, and I think you know the best stuff gets filtered through to me, um, so I can see it from whoever it is. Paddy Cummins might send a few. Nathan Lyon, Mitch Stark. So, I see the best of social media, and then I don't have to see the other stuff. So, had
1: you seen any of those yet? Uh,
0: I'd seen. I the think I've seen, seen the Betty Cummins one. So, right. but yeah, I think I think I got it worked out. I got it, my own filter, and it just comes through as as I need it. Well,
1: <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you'll get on social media sometime. We'll see. Do you have an agent? Uh yeah. Does yeah. he push you to get on uh, social media?
0: He used to try. He used to try for for certain sponsors and things, but he yeah, I don't think it's don't think it's worth it. He's he's left out alone now. Good. Well, <laughs>
1: you stick to your. Um, Ways, All right, right. listeners, we're going to take a very quick break. I just want to remind you all that the show is on Instagram and Twitter, at Pod. So, Josh, if you go on, you can um, (laughs) follow the podcast. I'm on Twitter, at Ameners. And uh, you can also find the podcast on Facebook as the Australian Cricket Podcast. And lately, I put up my best ever Aussie test team. So, after the break, I'll tell Josh who my three best fast bowlers of all time were. All right, coming up after the break, more of Josh Hazelwood. Glove well, is it. Hazelwood lights it and given. A breakthrough immediately after tee. Coley goes for 23. Find a way to break this partnership, and Hazelwood's the man. Short ball, short to caught the club on the top of the bat, and a good catch taken by Tim Payne. That's huge for Australia. Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm here with one of Australia's co-vice captains, Josh Hazelwood. It's you, Travis Head and Pat Cummins at the moment sharing the role?
0: I think so, in in Test Cricket, yeah. Yep,
1: Um, And that was Josh just dismissing Virat Kohli at the SCG. Must have been pretty good when you get his wicket.
0: It always is, yeah. Everyone celebrates that one just a bit extra, I think, him being the the number one ranked, I think, in in all forms, pretty much. Um, We certainly know he's a great player, so it's always good to see the back of him.
1: He seems like he's mellowed a bit off the field. I mean, I know... Like I can't imagine you and him have a close relationship, but did you have a chat with him?
0: Um, oh, I think we all know each other from you know playing against each other and, and even with each other sometimes in the IPL and different things. So, yeah, he's, he's certainly mellow off the field. He just gets um, – he's very passionate on the field, So as, as most of us are. So we can clash a little bit on the field, but um, off the field he's a, a great bloke.
1: So I um, put up on my Facebook page my best ever Aussie test team and my three best fast bowlers for Australia were Dennis Silley, Glenn McGrath, and then I went for a left field one, a left arm quick, Alan Davidson.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: So they were my three quicks. So Well, who is some of your favourite quicks
0: growing um, up? Yeah, they're obviously three, three of the best. Um, I think growing up when I was watching Australia, was it was always McGrath, uh, Lee and Gillespie, and then obviously Shane Warne. So it was a pretty steady attack when I was growing up um, great. watching those guys. So they worked really well together for for a, for a lot of test matches. Um, Yeah, I think Gillespie's one of the best ever. Yeah, yeah, he's got a great record.
1: All right, so let's talk about the World Cup and the Ashes. The 2019 World Cup is looming. You know, you're part of the World Cup winning squad in 2015 how's your fitness going now
0: I'm about as fit as I can be without without a full run Um, I have started bowling I'm off a couple of steps at the moment so that'll start to ramp up pretty quick through late April into into May Um, done a lot of work rehab wise running wise gym wise so about as fit as I can be um, apart from the the match fitness so that'll come as as we move forward into May and Um, everything should be should be fine
1: could you see yourself doing both playing a world cup and then the ashes
0: yeah absolutely i think you know to be ready for that first ashes test you have have to have a lot of bowling under your belt anyway so there can't be a better spot to do it than in a world cup one day cricket you know a couple of games a week for for five or six weeks is probably perfect prep in terms of body load i guess the the getting everything ready to bowl for a test match. It's, it's pretty much the perfect lead-in. So um, hopefully I'm there and, and we can hold on to the trophy.
1: Are you nervous about the squad announcement of the, the 15 for the Australian squad? I mean, I know there's been some talk that selectors are thinking of you of keeping you on ice for the Ashes. I mean...
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of nerves there, as there always is before a, a big team selected for a, a tournament like this. Um, there's probably 20, 20 plus guys who who think they're a really good chance of making it. So it's a good position to be in for Australian cricket. Um, there's a couple of nervous players for sure out there um, waiting for that team to be picked, and then are you one of them? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Obviously, haven't played much cricket of late, and, and not much one day cricket in particular. So. Hopefully those numbers to hold me in good stead, and I can um, you know play a part in the in the World Cup.
1: Do you talk to the selectors much at the moment about seeing where you are and how your body's going? And
0: uh, there's always constant constant communication back and forward, probably mostly between physios and doctors lately. Through if a if a player is injured, and then obviously that gets forwarded onto the the coaching staff and selectors, so they they know where I'm at and they'll know I'll be ready come that first game, the first of June. So I guess just up to them if 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 I've done enough, or, or, I'm, or I'm ready to go.
1: What did the 2015 World Cup teach you about what's needed to win a World Cup? You know, if, if you get selected and you, you go to England in the for the 2019 World Cup, what's something from the 2015 World Cup you'll use?
0: Yeah, it was obviously pretty cool to play at home. Um, we had home crowds um, on our side the whole time, so it's going to be a lot different in England. I think, the length of the tournament and peaking at the right time you could have gone through the 2015 one and played some okay cricket at the start and then really really pushed towards the end and got on a roll whereas i think in the 19 in this one coming up that there's only one group so everyone has to play each other i, I think you have to be on the on your game from from the start and and play consistent cricket the whole way through if you're going to make the semis so it's a little bit different format so we to take that into account yeah
1: it's a 10 team round robin competition for the listeners. Uh, for me, although there's been some criticism about you know some of the lesser nations not being in the tournament, it looks like a real test. Like if if, if Australia wins this World Cup, there can be no doubt that you know they've played everybody. They've, they've obviously won the last two knockout games, so there's just no doubt with this format. About yeah, who's I, the best?
0: I think that's with, with whoever wins it. They've they've really earned earned the win. You know, anyone can beat anyone in the in the top ten. Really, um, if you're a bit off on your day, then. You, know, you only play each other once, so if you're off on that day and you get beaten, um, it really puts you back a step. So it's it's cut, pretty cutthroat, and I guess you're going to have to win six or seven games to, to make those semis, and yeah, every game is tough.
1: Have you started looking at your opponents yet for the World Cup and scouting, or does that happen sort of closer to the time?
0: Yeah, I think that, that'll happen a lot closer to the time, um, so it's nice and fresh in the memory, but everything's focused on, on getting my body right at the moment and, and training day in, day out to get nice and fit for the winter, which is a huge winter, as you've mentioned. So, yeah, all the focus is there at the moment.
1: So the Australian one-day team won eight wins in a row. What a turnaround. Must have been really good for you because I still think that there must have been some doubts within the group that the wins just weren't coming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It got to a point there. I guess, as I said, I haven't played much in the last two months, so I guess I don't feel that that we've lost so many in a row because I'm only here and there and played
1: so church. you played in the ones against South Africa yep, that played was the last ones, yeah played those
0: three and before that it was probably a decent gap again mm. from when I played England in Australia so yeah the, the team chops and changes a little bit so I, I guess not everyone feels that pressure of, of losing a lot of series in a row but some do who were there for every game and now we've turned it around And one year said eight on the bounce, um, which is pretty cool, especially away from home. So different conditions to England, but winning cricket is is winning cricket.
1: You really need some confidence going into a World Cup. And I I thought the other teams were starting to think that they had the wood on Australia. But what I've noticed is, and I don't know if you've picked this up, but as soon as Australia won those eight games in a row, the, the rest of the world starts talking about, you know, how nervous they are about Australia going into a World Cup. I mean, it's sort of an aura built up over five World Cup wins that the Australian team has in World Cup cricket.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when it comes to the big tournaments, we usually, well, as the record shows, Australia usually brings their best cricket. And um, it's been no difference when, when I played in the 15 World Cup. And yeah, all the teams hate hate coming up against us, especially in in the later rounds and, and in the semis. So yeah, we, we've always shown that we, in big tournaments, we play good cricket. And is it is it funny that,
1: you know, it can go from Australia, you know, not having a chance to all of a sudden everyone's talking about the team.
0: Yeah, as I as I mentioned before, like it, you're never far off. A lot of there's probably, well, probably all 10 teams, but there's probably six or seven teams who on their day can beat anyone and, and then can lose to anyone. So you're never far off. It's just about doing those little things day in, day out at, at training to, to get better and then obviously on game day. And yeah, doing it more often than not and, and winning those winning those tight games. So you're never far off, even if you are losing.
1: Yeah, I thought looking at the team that it seemed like other teams were winning the tight moments against Australia, and you know I felt that you know the other teams felt that they had the advantage because they'd started to win those tight moments. But then to win the games in India, where Australia was chasing you know three sixty odd and and big totals like that, that sort of win where it really doesn't look like it's going to happen can just sort of make all that doubt wash away.
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, winning those. Those big chases or, or defending a small target, I guess, have bigger impact on the team than than winning a game that which you should. It looks like you should win the whole time, if that makes sense. Teams get confidence from that, and Australia looked like they got a lot of confidence now. Um, so moving forward, that's that's awesome.
1: How's the Victorian influence in the Aussie One Day side? It's getting pretty hefty. I mean, Finch, Zampa, Stoinis. Although Zampa's originally from New South Wales, or even
0: South Australia a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, he played. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he
1: started in Western Sydney. So you got Stoinis, Hansker, Maxwell. I mean, the Victorians seem like they're they're bringing a certain vibe and camaraderie to the team. What are they What are they like? Are they a bit crazy in the dressing room? <laughs> Zampa and Stoinis.
0: Some um, they can get that way, I guess, when they're, when they're all together. As you said, Zampa's still from from South Australia and playing the majority of his cricket there, even though he's with the Stars. So it's more the big bash com- camaraderie, I yeah. guess, um, a little bit. So, um, but there's always been you know a fair few Victorians in the in the one day team and, and not the Test team. So they do bring their own, as as any player does, really. They bring their own personality and whether they're from Victoria or, or Western Australia or, or Tasmania. So. It's all, always good to have a lot of um, different people, yeah.
1: Bit of rivalry though in That's the dressing right. room. That's right. But but look, it is great to see the team look like it's having fun now.
0: It's easy to look that way when you when you're winning, I guess. It's it's very tough to look that way when you when you're losing. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously you wonder what comes first. You wonder if the you know if the fun comes first and, and the good camaraderie comes first and then the wins happen, or it's vice versa. So what do you think? I think probably it's i think that stuff's building in the background and then then once you get the wins i guess people start to see it happen more often and happen at the grounds i guess and not just um behind closed doors whether it's at the hotels or 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 on training days or something so um yeah good all right
1: so to end this let's have a quick chat about the ashes uh you know you uh spoke to sam ferris Uh, about the possibility that it'll be very hard for the the fast bowlers to play all five Ashes tests. There's almost, I think, four in a row at the end. I mean, that's just so brutal for a fast bowler. I mean, try and take us inside what it's like playing back-to-back tests. I mean, we see all the overs. I mean, Mm. that's a lot of toll on your body. I mean, what's it like for you guys after two tests in a row?
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal. I think it's obviously how the tests unfold as well. I think there's another tool match there, which I hadn't saw, um, which gives us a couple more days off, which is, which is great. But I think when you those back-to-back tests, when you, when you really have, if the first test especially is, say you bowl second, um, you bowl second and fourth, you're bowling last on day five, and then three days later after a travel day and a couple of rest days you lose a toss and you're bowling in day one, it's basically like the test is continuous. So it, it really does take it out of you. It's like stiffness and pain and... Yeah, all of the above. Fatigued, you're obviously down on strength. You obviously always pretty much have a niggle of some sort. Whether how bad that is, no one knows. So I guess it's about the batters early on in the series is trying to trying to bat time as much as score runs in, in those long series like an Ashes series. Um, and I think that was obviously Pujara's job out here to try and break us in those first couple of tests and then get the benefits later on in the series. So those long series, are they're sort of a game within a game sometimes. And if you can really break break their best bowler in, in the first or second test. You know They might bring someone else in for the third or fourth who's not quite as good and then you can capitalise on that.
1: And, and when did your back soreness start? Would that have been around the SCG test after <laughs> back-to-back tests or um, afterwards?
0: No, I didn't really have much pain at all, to be honest. There was no pain when I was playing. I had a little slight ache oh, probably a week after the Sydney test when, when I was, you know, after I had my feet up for a couple of days and I guess with a bone injury that can happen. A little bit delayed... Delayed soreness, but I guess the thoughts on having the time off now was to be right for the winter. Um, If there was no cricket in winter, I probably would have cracked on and and kept playing um, as much as I could, knowing I had winter off. But yeah, the demands of, of international cricket is this is a huge winter, and I wanted to be nice and fresh for for this. So that was the the thoughts behind that. So
1: if Australia needs a little bit of a squad of bowlers for the Ashes, now I'm sure you saw James Pattinson steaming in during the Shield final. He was pumped up. He's like
0: <laughs> borderline psycho.
1: What's a have you played with him before?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played I've probably played tests. half a dozen tests with him, yeah.
1: What's he like
0: to play with? Um, just as you mentioned, he's He's so passionate on the field he gets obviously gets fired up a lot when he's bowling which probably brings the best down him a lot of the time and he bowls fast that's for sure um it looks like he's got his pace back and I guess it's probably just that workload factor of, of bowling 40 plus overs in a test that is the last box to tick for him um as he knows and and yeah he's a, when he gets on a roll he's a bit like I guess someone like a Stuart Broad when he gets a couple of wickets he can really dismantle the lineup and, and take a bag so um he's awesome when he's playing up and going
1: he's got this ability to move the ball both ways you know bring the ball back in and also get the out swing. yeah and that's pretty hard to face at 140 yeah, clicks uh, when you're bowling with someone that that is that pumped up does it give you a bit of an extra boost or do you sort of have a bit of a laugh when you're <laughs> sort of going nuts
0: um no i think a, a bit of both um I've certainly bowled with Mitch Stark a few times, especially in, a, I remember, a Shield game in Adelaide. He was bowling with a pink ball at night and he took three for none off, off the last few overs of the night and he, he could have had seven or eight wickets, to be honest. He was bowling that fast and it felt like when I was bowling, everyone was just waiting for my over to finish so we could get back to Mitch Stark <laughs> bowling. Um, so it can feel like that sometimes, but um, you can sort of feed off it as well. And do you like bowling with the Dukes ball? Uh, certainly, yeah. It's... It, obviously depends on the conditions as well behaves a lot more friendly for the bowler if the cloud covers over and there's obviously a bit of grass on the wicket but um, as we've seen in the last couple of Shield games it's it's done quite a bit, seen movement probably a lot, a lot more than usual and we'll see how it goes in England I know
1: you've spoken about the last ashes and bowling with Stark and Mitch Johnson. So the attack's going to be different this time. Is is the the method for a bowler like you just to pitch it up a bit more than you would on Australian wickets?
0: Yeah, a little bit. I think. I think just with the they tend to be a bit slower the wickets. So anything back of the length sort of sits up and is quite friendly for the batter to hit. So it's bringing him on the front foot. It's not. It's not all about swing. I think bowling at. At English batsmen, they play swing very well. They're used to it, whereas Australian batsmen are are probably not used to it. So I think the English batsmen struggle a bit with seam movement more so than than swing. So it's just about getting the ball in the the right areas and, and again, hitting the top of off stump. It sounds simple, but it's just doing that on on different conditions. Yeah,
1: getting the ball to seam and swing in England. Now, Josh, looking from the outside, it looks to me like the Aussies have a red-hot chance, you and the team, to win the Ashes in England. First time, first time since two thousand and one. Does does it feel like that to you guys?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're always always confident going into into series overseas, uh, especially when you know the conditions suit our quicks a bit. And and Nathan had a Nathan Lyon had a great series last time against them out here. And if they have that many left-handers again, you'll have a field day again, I think. So to have him at one end doing his business and, and we can do ours at, at the other end. So we're pretty confident. I guess it's just getting used to to facing that swinging and, and seeming ball which is which is quite tough i mean the wickets in australia are, are usually pretty good so the batsman can feel in i guess and get on a roll whereas england you might have to fight a bit more for your runs you know try and bluntly attack a bit at the start someone like a jimmy and, and Brody. so there's different challenges and hopefully we can we can always learn from from last series
1: yeah fortunately there's not many players left from the 2015 trent bridge carnage <laughs> that i'm not even going to go into the details of but you know obviously you know you'll come up against conditions like that again at some point so I guess do you hope that the team now is better able to cope
0: yeah I think so I think there's a lot of guys playing candy cricket now which is obviously a great preparation for it Um, we've used juke balls in Australia which are doing a lot more off the wicket and in the air so guys are facing that's the only way you can get better at is he's facing that's that moving ball more often than not and And formulate getting a game plan together that can best combat that, I guess. And whether that's going a bit harder and scoring runs and taking it to the bowler, or or making him bowl to you and and being a bit more defensive. So everyone's going to have different different plans, and it's just about sticking to them and and executing those.
1: Yeah, the shield's been really good playing with the Duke's ball on regional grounds. I mean, some of the batsmen have been really Mm. under the
0: pump. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you know, it's not easy in those conditions where it's moving in the air and off the pitch no
0: it's been it's been good from a bowler's bowler's point of view to to watch um, a few guys getting big bags of wickets a few spinners have as well from time to time and um, but obviously the quicks have been dominating the last few weeks which has been good to see
1: well good luck in the ashes Josh (laughs) thank you Uh, I really hope the team can do well and uh, bring the ashes home Uh, just last let's quickly touch on the IPL do you watch the IPL do you Record it
0: no uh, no, no, it's sounded a, a bit late for me, um I see obviously highlights from from time to time, so yeah, it's obviously it's it's awesome to be a part of if you can get over there it's it's just six weeks of of packed stadiums and and awesome cricket, so it's definitely a good event.
1: Could you have imagined David Warner and Johnny Besto <laughs> hugging in the middle of a cricket ground?
0: yeah, I know, I know it's um it was a pretty special partnership that um and obviously they'll be on different sides coming ashes so um. Yeah, good yeah, good friends they, on the you field. You know, they were
1: at each other during the Ashes, and now they're they're best mates.
0: Yeah, I guess that's how you want cricket to be played. I guess, yeah. um, very competitive on the field, and then off the field, you can be you can be good mates with guys. And what's it like
1: to see Warner in supreme form, Steve Smith back in action? You know, they look almost ready. Warner definitely ready.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, Warner doesn't need too many to hit too many balls or play too many games to be back in form. Smith is probably a little bit the opposite. He can he loves batting for long periods of time and, and gets rhythm that way. So definitely putting some pressure on the guys who are in the team and they've obviously seen that and, and up their game as well. So good competition for batting spots.
1: I cannot wait to see Steve Smith back. I mean, he looks fired up, you know, he looks like he's had to, you know, wait a year to play again. I think he's just gonna come out of the blocks firing.
0: I think so. He's he very determined to, to do well, um as he always is, but it could be just that extra incentive now to to get back to where he was and, and if not better, I think he's mentally refreshed. Not having the captain'll be good for his batting, I think. Yeah, he'll be all about scoring runs, which is what we want.
1: He's got that fire in the eye.
0: Yeah, he always he's always like that. He hates hates getting out and loves batting a long time. So big, big winter for him, I think. All right. Well,
1: listeners, we're going to wrap this podcast up. Josh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been really great to sit down and talk cricket again. At the beginning of the summer, I know the team wanted to make the Australian cricket fans proud of the way you played and conducted yourselves. And I think you and the rest of the team have done that. So congratulations and um, good luck with the winter.
0: Cheers. Thanks, Andrew.